everybody. This is MG, and I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. Welcome. So Sober Sisters Talk is a podcast that MG and I do every week. We try to do it every week, and we try to bring to you our experiences working several programs and just share with you what we have come across in our lives. And I like to say, I don't know how to keep anybody else sober but I know what works for me. And that's what we want to encourage people to do in this podcast is to figure out what works for them. And that's where MG and I are a little bit different because I like to tell people what to do and think that I can keep them sober. (laughs) (laughs) But we just invite you to listen. It's fun and it's also really educational. We cry, we laugh, we do a little bit of everything. We have guests, we work the steps. It's great. So stay tuned to the next podcast coming right up. Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I am Elizabeth Podwell, and again, I have co my special guest co-host, Cherie O'Dell. Yes, and you heard Cherie last week. Um, she was my fill-in for MG, who is still recovering. Um, but you did a great job last week, and you get to come back. I had so much fun. I appreciate you for asking me, and I'm honored to be here. And so I should tell you, first of all, I do want to let you know, I have applied the meditation principle in my driving and I notice a difference awesome and I've been able to apply it in other things too just like um thinking like okay breathe in this and breathe out that and then I've also applied it to my morning meditation I'm trying to meditate for 10 minutes in the morning and I'm just I'm not breathing out anything but I'm breathing in what I want and then I'm just exhaling and breathing in what I want and exhaling so I, I love it. That. I learned something. I love it. And I'm applying it. So awesome. it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Because I don't always get to hear if people are applying it. Yeah. So I love that I hear that. You well, and the, and the driving thing is like such a, you know, it's just of all, you know, you take this big circle of me and there's this one pie that I just, I want to eliminate, you know, so... I'm really happy to have that tool. And it's great because then you have peace of mind and you can I get do. to work yes. and get wherever you're going and be good instead it, of having like this monkey on your back already because right. you had to drive in traffic well, to get somewhere. For, for me, I think it's really more the um, the disconnect, the unalignment, the disalignment mm-hmm. with who I am. Right. And that's the part that really bothers me. So I'm really glad to have that tool. So today we talked a little bit about before we started recording what we want to talk about. And I had brought up um, getting out of victimhood and then what the solution is. So um, that victim mentality for me was just, it was in everything. Um, I had felt victimized from the time I was a kid. I have a memory of my mom when I was three years old. Um, beating the shit out of me in the hallway for writing it uh, with lipstick on the mirror and I was a little I was like a baby like mm-hmm. I was still in a crib and she was holding me down and getting my sisters and brothers to help hold me down so she could hit me and that that sort of like being beat up upon or like being smothered or being ganged up on has like permeated everything and when I get into that thing I'm like whoa you know and I had to do a whole lot of work around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had to do a lot of work around that too, and a lot of different layers around that. That did not, like, even once I noticed it, 
I it wasn't something that I changed right away. In an early cover, early recovery, in the third edi- third edition of the Big Book, there is a, uh, the pages four forty nine, which my book is literally cracked open to that, and it talks about us, you know, thinking that we're Shakespeare and all the world's a stage and that we're in control of all that, and if everybody just acts right, I'll be okay. And I mean that I have had to read that over and over, and that's my default meeting. I'm just like acceptance, 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 because my thing has been for a long time that it's somebody else's responsibility. That here are my boundaries. I'm going to give you my boundaries, and you take care of those. Not me take care of myself around those, but you take care of me. Uh You know, and even you better do a really good job. You better. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get mad. (laughs) And then they give me their boundaries, and I better uh, heed to them, or they're going to And remember. And, yeah. What they are. Right. Yeah. But the whole time I'm remembering where mine are and where the other person's stepping on my toes, right? But it's it goes back to, just, I think, some of that stuff from being little, too, and back in the 70s or, or whenever. Do you know what I mean? It was, you hurt my feelings. Right. What you did right. hurt me. my feelings. Right. You're in control of my feelings. So I, I noticed this um, resentment. This was years ago, and um, when I was still at the Chronicle, we were downtown, and um, we had all of these editorial secretaries. And there was this one woman who had been came started after me, and then ended up in a position that was sort of higher than mine. She was working for a higher editor, which meant she had more pay. I made up. I don't know how much she made, but I made up this story that mm-hmm. she got more. And I had this huge resentment, and I don't remember who I was talking to, but somebody told me this story about, um, it's the farmer and the talents, and it's in the Bible. And so the story goes like this, a farmer needs workers, and so he goes into the square, and he asks 20 people, 20 men, to come and work for him, and he's going to pay them $100 for the day. Well, they begin working, and halfway through at noon, the farmer realizes that he doesn't have enough people to get what he needs done. So he goes back to the square, and he gets another 20 people and brings them. says, I'll pay you $100 for the day. And so they're still working, working, and at four, he realizes he still doesn't have enough, so he goes back and gets more, and he brings them back, and he says, I'll pay you $100 to finish the day. Well, the people that had started in the morning started grumbling. And they were bitching at the, the farmer and saying, hey, you, you know, we started at 8 a.m. and we've been here all day and you're paying them, you know, $100 and us $100. Why? That's not fair. And um, the farmer said, you agreed to do it for that amount of money. What I'm paying them has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I oh, it was in Sunday school. We studied it and I was just like, um... That's me. (laughs) And it helped me so much just, though, to be in this place of gratitude and acceptance for where I was. Mm -hmm. I accepted my job for that amount of money, and I I agreed to to do that work. Right. Period. Right. But it does, it brings up that no fair. Right. No fair. And that is probably not my adult. (laughs) Yeah, I like the, the, the analogy of uh, getting into like inner child work, and I worked with Carol Weed um, off and on for 20 years and did a, some family of origin workshops with her and stuff, and that's what it is. It's like what, when you feel a certain way, when you feel like you're being the victim or stomping your feet, go back and ask yourself, how would you feel right now? How do I feel? Because that's probably about the age where that trauma is coming from or where that reaction is coming from. Do you feel like you're, you're an adult or do you feel like you're in your, you know, 
five-year-old. Your five-year-old, your teenager, you know, the teenagers usually like, I don't care, whatever, F you, and, uh-huh. you know, and yeah, and then the little girl is, you No know, fair. Yeah. You know, and that, when I'm doing that, no, that's not fair. I know it's my little girl. Right. And it's about five years old. Right. So how do you nurture the five-year-old? What do you do when your little girl shows up? How do you take care of yourself? Um... Well, I have, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of layers of work around that. And um, the no fair thing is I try to be an observer to my behavior, um, which when I was using, I couldn't do because I was in the middle of all my behavior. And there's still sometimes where it's hard to to be an observer of myself, but I try to get in that observer position because it's always easier to see what somebody else is doing, right? It's it's more challenging to see what we're doing for ourselves. And, um, and that is actually something that I ask for daily in um, a meditation is for me to see my part, for me to see my part, for me to see my truth and for me to speak my truth with love and compassion to myself and others. And so I really, I've been doing that uh, prayer for probably a year or so. And it's been uh, really, really helpful because it's like in my, in every situation, I want to see my part, good or bad. It doesn't always have to be bad, right? It can be like, what do I, what am I bringing to the table? What am I bringing to this energy of positive? Or right. what am I bringing that is is uh, changing that? But that is kind of an, an intention that I set every day is for right. me to see my part, right. you know? Yeah. And not and in I a think, bad way. And I think, yeah, definitely seeing my part is part of my process too. I think that for me, the first thing is, is what you said before is um, how old do I feel? Mm-hmm. And am I, am I in a little girl or, you know, am I a little bit older, you know, am I a teenager? And most of my stuff comes up around, you know, five, six, seven, ten years old mm-hmm. and very young. And the next step that I do is, is try to um, discern. And the, what I do, Cherie, is I put, I put my daughter in that place because mm. I can like so much see if this was Samantha, what would she need? If Samantha was five years old and felt like things weren't fair in her life, because a lot of times it's not fair. Mm-hmm. That's not the point, though. <laughs> right. You know, because you can't walk around all the time stopping your feet saying it's not fair. Not fair. Yeah. <laughs> it won't work. Right. You know, that doesn't change anything. Well, and then there's the gift of leaving, too, right? Which I didn't know before I got sober. It's like if I'm in a situation that I don't feel like I'm being treated fairly, you can leave. I can just leave. Right. I don't have to stay. Right. You know, that's if I stay, am I the victim or am I am I being a willing participant in my me feeling the way I'm? You know what I mean? Indeed. It's like, yeah, if I'm not taking care of myself. Well, and here's a really good point. We are approaching Thanksgiving, and there are times I have a lot of sponsees that and clients that I work with that are like, you know, this there's this huge drama in my family, or this person makes me so uncomfortable, and I don't really want to go to Thanksgiving. But I have to. And my answer is you don't have right. to, though. Right. It, I get that it's very challenging to be the one that says, I'm not going. Right. Or to create a different ritual and routine and tradition around your holiday. But you don't have to go. And right. if you are going to go, you are choosing to participate. Correct. In that. So for me too, if I, I mean, I have, um, I haven't been around my family in many, many years for the holidays, which was a choice that I made. And, um, and again, like you said, it wasn't something that I got to very easily. It was, but it was something that I I got to, 
and I was like, Did I just you can't. intentionally make the choice and, yes. and be like, I'm not coming? Yes, I actually, um, yes, I was going through a lot of stuff at that time, um, a legal case, and my business was 08, and I mean, there's a bunch of stuff was going on, mm-hmm. and, and I had to assess my life and see what, what I could eliminate that was stressing me out, and my family was one of them, and um, I've tried to show up different ways, I've tried to do different things, and I just, I was like, I just, I can't do this right now, and so I wrote my mother a, a, an email and told her, and my intention was to take six months, and it actually, um, <laughs> January is actually eight years. So <laughs> I kind of reevaluate every once in a while, and um, and I kind of I just feel like I'm 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 okay where I am right now. And in the beginning, in particularly, there was a lot of sadness, and it was hard. I mean, my kids were young, or and you know doing holidays by ourselves and that type of stuff. But now we've we've got a we've got our own little flow now, and that it was really challenging in the beginning, and they weren't happy about it, but. That's what I needed to do to take care of myself at that time, and um, so it's hard. Yeah. That's a that it, it's a you know it's a very um, physical you know rift creating that separation from right. your family in the holidays. Right. But it there are, I know a lot of families that um, a lot of women that I've worked with ha- have done that, mm-hmm. and some are now back in it, and some have created their own rituals around it. I had to create my own rituals. I didn't, um, I guess I did sort of like create the rift because I moved from Southern California to Houston Mm. and, um, you just moved states. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do Thanksgiving anymore. So I'm going to move, you know? Um, but I did those, I mean, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas were really hard, Mm -hmm. um, being alone. And, Thanksgiving probably more than Christmas because at Christmas we can have presents and we can still do all of that. But Thanksgiving it was all about family and eating. Right. And I had to create a, a different way of doing that. Right. You know, and um, I did, and I did, and I got okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there was really only one one Thanksgiving that was really sad for me, and after that I just was like, whoa, not doing that again. <laughs> yeah. And if you do choose to go into a situation where you know that family is going to push buttons or trigger you or you know they say that's how you can really test your spirituality is to go hang out with your family um but to to make a plan you know just to go in with a plan okay so this is probably going to happen don't expect it to not happen right this is probably going to happen because just because you got sober doesn't mean that they're not crazy still right and it it doesn't mean everyone around you needs to change because you chose to a different path right and so, but it's like, you know, maybe I don't go and stay all day. Right. Maybe I go and I stay for a couple hours and I leave. Do you know what I mean? But it, you can set your own boundaries up around going into a situation right. in that way also. Right. Um, and I love the, the leave, you know. I remember um, going to an AA meeting early on in recovery and um, the guru there had this printout of things that you could do if you um, get invited to a holiday party. And it was like this whole, like this list of things and I was like, this is brilliant. I had no idea, you know, mm-hmm. so you can, you know, you can bookmark, you know, you can bookend, you can call somebody before you go mm-hmm. and call that same person when you leave. Right. And that sort of gives you that stopgap. Like I'm not alone here. You know, I've got this phone call here waiting when I leave. Mm-hmm. And, um, you can also, you know, make sure you bring your own car so that you can leave. You can also have a second plan. You can have, um, you know, another gathering to go to, 
you know, with right. friends or in recovery. A lot of clubs around Houston have um, events. They have things that you can, you know, go and join. There's mm-hmm. meetings. Right. Jesus, you could go to a meeting, you know. Right. You could leave the Thanksgiving dinner, go to a meeting, and return. All in, you know, the matter of probably an hour and a half. Right. And the, and the biggest thing to me, I think, now in my recovery where I'm at is that I'm never alone in the sense either that I've always got my higher power with me. And, you know, that's one thing with my sponsees. It's like if you need to go in the bathroom, sit down, take some breaths. You know, when you go into a situation, all right, HP or whatever you call your higher power, universe, God, whatever, you know, all right, come on. And I used to like, like he was like my co-pilot, yeah. although really he's my pilot and I'm the co-pilot, right? But it would be like, all right, let's do this. And it, that's my, you know, it's like me and God. Got my JC together. right here. Yeah, you know? like we're getting ready to throw <laughs> this down, you know, boundaries, uh-huh. boom. Right, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So there are a lot of different ways to handle your, you know, resentments. And you can even sit there right in front of everybody, breathe in acceptance, Breathe out your resentment. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> breathe in love and tolerance. Breathe out frustration. That's my drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and something that I learned in recovery also is um, to pray for others what you want for yourself. Those that you most resent also fall under that category. So I've had some very difficult uh, people that I've done that with before. And in the beginning, it is really, really hard. And yes, I've gone through that process and, you know, so it's even for that, you know, you want love and light in your life, send that person love and light. Do you know what I mean? And like kind of put some positive energy there instead of always the negative because they are where they are. And, and I know there's been times, um, and, and maybe now I'm uh, unconscious about some things that I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? But I know there's been times I've been unconscious also, and I've probably affected and hurt other people right. and the same for them. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, think I love that... this. It's it's really good. So we've brought up quite a few things, you know, nurture, take care of the inner child, figure out, you know, how old you are and take care of that inner child. Mm-hmm. Uh, leave, you know, set your own boundaries. Do not give them away. <laughs> yes, no, they're your boundaries. That's to your hold up work. To. Yes. You got to hold on to your own work and do your own yeah, work. Yeah, you can't give somebody else your boundary <laughs> and then expect them to... to maintain that boundary for you you have to maintain right. your boundary for you right yes stay in acceptance uh bookend and um get to a meeting mm-hmm. meetings are you know and pray you can always go in the bathroom and pray yep breathe in love and tolerance breathe out your resentment <laughs> yep you can do that before you walk in the place you can get in there say hi to everybody go do a little in and out breath in the bathroom come back yep. out i mean there's all kinds of things that intentionally you can be taking care of yourself that whole time. You know, there one thing that I did forget, and I've done this before, is bring a sober friend with you. Yes. There may be someone who doesn't have anywhere to go for the holidays or a party or something. Bring a sober friend with you. Yes. And I've done that with people when I went through my uh, divorce and the girls, my kids would be at their dad's house. I would go spend time uh, with friends and their family. And I'm like, look, I'm, and this was a particular person I'm thinking of and she was early in recovery. And I said, look, I'm going for you. So whenever you're ready to go, we can go. Yeah. You know, cause she had a you lot just of anxiety. look at me and be like, Hey, let's go. Yeah. And she didn't even know that she had that option to get up and leave when she was, you know what I mean? When she had had You don't. Yeah. Right. You don't. Cause you're in, you're stuck in that little the pattern, the little girl mode, yeah. you know, this, Oh, I can't, you know, don't want to make anyone mad. Oh, but my then the God, whole time forget. you're, you're like, like seething. Who's yeah. more important. Right. Yeah. 
Right. And you know what? They don't, I'm honestly, my family, the first couple of times I did boundaries around that, which was after I had my kids and I had a newborn and a one-year-old, I had called my mother and I was terrified and I had to like talk to my sponsor about it several times and call my mom and say, look, we're not going to be at your house until two. Cause she wanted us there in the morning in our pajamas, which is oh what I've done until, but now I'm like, I have a one year old and a newborn. I want to get There's up. There's no way I can do this. Do yeah. Christmas with them, have lunch, let them take a nap and then we'll be over. She was mad at me for about two years and now that's how she does it every year. We don't get together until two o'clock. It's no issue. But in the beginning it was yeah. like a big deal for me to set that boundary up. And, and now that's just how it's done. It is scary, and I get it. So, hey, listener, if you need some assistance around this, you can email us. You yes. can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. can reach out to either one of us. If you want to talk to Cherie specifically, I'll forward it to her. <laughs> yes, for sure. But we want you to come back. We want you to come back frequently. We'll make a, we'll make a spot for you. I love it. Okay? Yes, I love it. Thank you Thank again. You. I appreciate it so Thank much. Thank you. So if you want to get in touch with us, please send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. Or you can check out our other episodes at www.SoberSistersTalk.com. And we're also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and there we have them all lined up. You can see them. You can get a little description. You can share it. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye.